0: New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash snapped or text snap to 500-500. That's audible.com slash snapped or text snap to
1: 500-500. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash wondery that's rocketmoney.com slash wondery rocketmoney.com slash wondery
2: he was a beloved family man he was a hard worker he provided for his family everywhere we went he knew
3: somebody Jerry loved his family, loved the community. He helped people in a way that just blew me away with love and compassion.
4: Until a brutal crime changes everything.
5: The amount of blood in this crime scene was excessive. It was a very violent struggle.
3: It was clear to me that that foul play was involved.
4: As investigators push for answers, they uncover an unbelievable story of
6: excess she felt shame for committing this deadly sin of gluttony it completely consumed her mind and at the heart of it all is one person's voracious obsession this was someone who clearly couldn't
3: control their impulses they had some delusional thinking there was a list of cops that she wanted to see dead
2: why would you do that i can't understand that hate
7: It has rocked us to our cores with everything that we believe in.
2: They had every
6: intention of killing again. This wasn't going to stop. June nineteenth, two
4: 2013. Douglasville, Georgia. Around 2 p.m., the Douglas County Sheriff's Office receives a call from one of their own investigators, 37-year-old Michael Mikey Wheeler. Can you send
8: ambulance to my mom and daddy's house? my dad it the floor.
9: Mikey was one of our veteran employees at the sheriff's office. A lot of folks at the sheriff's office in the community knew of
5: his dad. It was something that kind of took everybody aback from the get-go. It hits close to home.
4: Moments later, deputies arrive at the home of 66-year-old Jerry Wheeler. They find his son, Michael, calmly standing outside. Mike
9: and his dad were close, and he would go and visit him on a regular basis.
8: I would stop by the house pretty much every day to uh, eat lunch or just to visit. I knew dad would come home around 12 to cook himself some lunch.
4: Michael says as he entered the home, he immediately knew something was wrong.
8: Walked in the house, seen it was a bunch of blood. The couch was moved and I started yelling his name, you know, saying, dad, dad, where you at? And I went to check all the bedrooms, went to the back bathroom.
4: When he couldn't find his father, Jerry, anywhere in the house, Michael says he came back to the living room.
8: When I was coming back out, I stepped on the rug. And when I stepped on it, I could feel that it was a body.
4: Michael tells first responders that his father's health was failing and he believes his dad may have died from natural causes.
5: He was wrapped up in a rug in the middle of the floor. Michael uh, thought that he had done that perhaps to keep himself warm. He thought because his father had a litany of health issues that he perhaps had had an episode of vein had burst
8: in his leg and he had started bleeding. His veins would just pop on the back of his leg. He went to the hospital for it. He was seeking treatment for it. I was thinking that his, you know, the blood loss, he was getting cold and weak. I thought he might roll up into the rug to warm up.
4: When deputies enter the living room, they are immediately taken aback by the scene.
3: There was blood on the walls and on the floor. We had blood on the fireplace and on some other items that was scattered through the house. From my experience, you know, a natural death doesn't leave that amount of blood.
4: Despite Michael's claims that his father may have died from natural causes, first responders are adamant this was foul play.
8: Basically, my dad never had enemies. Got along with everybody.
2: Jerry grew up around Ben Hill, Georgia. We married in 70, and Michelle was born in 72, and then Michael, um, four years later, almost to the day. He was a good husband.
3: Jerry was, uh, loved his family, loved the community. Uh, he helped people in a way that um, just blew me away with love and compassion.
2: He was loving, he was direct, and uh, he was genuine.
3: Jerry was the most laid back guy I've ever met. I mean, nothing, nothing upset him. He was easy to get along with. Good sense of humor.
6: Jerry worked as a mechanic for a number of companies. He was really successful and he even opened up his own
2: business. He could do anything with a car. He's always worked. He was a hard worker. My dad worked long nights, but he always came in. He When he left in the mornings, he came in and gave us a kiss, you know, before he left. He
8: worked hours upon hours. Uh, he'd get up nine, ten o'clock, and he wouldn't get home till 9 or 10 o'clock. So he, he loved it.
4: Even though Jerry spent a lot of time at the garage, his family always remained his first priority.
3: The main thing, you know, in his life was going to see the grandkids, doing things with the family.
7: He's very loving. He's very caring. Um, he just took care of everybody around him. I was his little little princess, and he loved us more than anything.
4: In 2013, Jerry was diagnosed with venous reflux, a disorder where blood flow is disrupted and pools in the veins of the lower extremities.
8: The first time it happened, he was rebuilding a transmission at the shop and looked down and he was standing in a puddle of blood and his veins would just pop on the back of his leg.
4: Jerry's diagnosis had left him considering surgery, though he wasn't about to let it slow him down.
8: He would shut the doors on the shop anytime to go out to eat with my mother or to go play golf. He was loving life.
4: But now, it seems Jerry's been robbed of his chance to enjoy his golden years.
3: You've got a, a bloody floor and the bloody walls, and you got the victim there that was covered in blood. It was clear to me that, the, that foul play was involved. I saw a couch that was broken into two sections. Some of the cushions had been tossed about. What I thought was that there was a confrontation in the living room where Mr. Wheeler tried to defend himself. It looked like there was a pretty big fight in there.
4: Next to the couch, detectives find Jerry rolled up in the rug. As they unroll the carpet, they are stunned by what they find.
3: He had a lot of stab wounds and cut marks on him. It was clear to me this was a pretty brutal type of killing.
4: Why would someone want to violently kill this beloved mechanic and family man?
9: He was very well-liked, uh, just a good person, and for him to have been murdered like that was, uh, was devastating to us at the sheriff's office.
4: Coming up, police must investigate one of their own.
7: Have you and your dad ever had problems to the point where he didn't speak or it came not
4: A
9: large percentage of the time, these domestic violence killings obviously within family.
4: And clues at the crime scene indicate a vicious struggle.
5: It did look like Gary was fighting for his life.
4: On June 19, 2013, deputies in Douglas County, Georgia, are investigating the brutal murder of 66-year-old Jerry Wheeler after his body was found by his son, Michael.
5: The victim's son was actually employed with the sheriff's office, so it was something that hits close to home.
4: Examining Jerry's body, detectives discovered details of his final moments.
3: Mr. Wheeler had been wrapped up or rolled up in carpet, uh, and it looked like that he had stab wounds. This was a pretty violent scene. That was probably one of the bloodiest crime scenes I've ever worked. He had stab wounds on his chest, neck, and legs. He had some cuts on his left hand, like it was type of some type of defensive wound from the attack.
5: He suffered, I believe, approximately 15 to 16 stab wounds total, potentially a head wound. There was a vase with blood, and at some point during the struggle, uh, we believe he was struck with the vase. And so it, it did look like Jerry was fighting for his life. Based off the
4: excessive number of stab wounds, detectives theorize about the type of person they might be looking for.
9: I was looking for a big man because Mr. Wheeler was a pretty good sized man. He could handle himself. Mr. Wheeler had uh, somebody that was of some size and of some strength to be able to put up a, a struggle and a fight to be able to subdue him and to be able to stab him that number of times.
4: They also conclude that the killer knew enough about the home to try and conceal their identity.
5: There was blood in a number of places, down the hall, in the bathroom, which appeared that there had been some sort of cleaning up afterwards.
3: On a wall nearby the victim, uh, there was a glove palm impression. And on top of the electric fireplace was another gloved impression. I couldn't tell what type of glove it was, but the, the impression made it look like it was a fabric.
4: The fact that the killer had worn gloves means finding a fingerprint is unlikely but as investigators continue to examine the crime scene they find something almost as useful
5: within the scene there were footprints on the floor of the living room and so it appeared that after the homicide whoever did it had stepped in jerry's blood and
3: left prints we knew that this could be a big potential piece of evidence especially if it was a bare foot, because a foot impression is just as identifiable as a fingerprint
4: while CSIs collect the bloody footprints, detectives check the rest of the house for evidence. Based on what they find, investigators surmise that Jerry had most likely been attacked the night before while he was in the middle of making dinner.
3: There was a pot of what looked like maybe turnip greens the stove I was still on and the material in it had completely cooked and, and almost caught fire.
4: Police find no evidence of forced entry and nothing seems to be missing from inside the home. But outside the house, an officer discovers a strange clue.
9: Ultimately, one of the things that was found was the keys to a car found hanging in a tree branch above, right there in the vicinity of where Mr. Wheeler's vehicle was.
4: And inside the vehicle, police find more unnerving evidence.
5: There was blood in the victim, Jerry's, car outside. There was blood on the steering column consistent with somebody trying to start the vehicle. Our estimation is whoever committed the murder had come out, tried to start the car, couldn't start it, so threw the keys in the tree and left some other way.
4: Is it possible Jerry had been killed during an attempt to steal his car? While police can't be certain, it's a theory they consider.
5: Oftentimes you'll have people that need a vehicle for one reason or another, and if they have to kill somebody to get it, some people are willing to do that.
7: We begin to canvas the neighborhood, where we begin to knock on doors, and we're starting to ask people if they've seen anything, heard anything, seen anything that's strange. No one recalls seeing anyone trying
4: to steal Jerry's car. But one neighbor says she saw a large woman walking down the street away from Jerry's home at 10.30 p.m. on the night he had been killed.
5: The woman that was seen walking up the road was very noticeable due to her size. She was north of 400 pounds, so she was not an average-sized woman.
6: The neighbor points them in the direction where this woman lives, and it turns out it's right next to Jerry's house.
5: Investigators made contact with her. She indicated she didn't know anything about what had transpired. She gave us her name as Tabriz
9: Tool, and that she gets out, and uh, to try and lose weight or uh, to exercise, she would get out and walk the neighborhood.
6: Tabriz tells officers that she's embarrassed by her size and prefers to exercise at night when no one's watching.
9: Some of the neighbors were able to verify that that they have seen her out walking in the neighborhood.
4: Confident that Tabriz had just been exercising on the night she was seen walking, detectives are able to quickly eliminate her as a person of interest. Next, investigators turn their attention to those closest to Jerry, starting with his wife, Jean.
7: My grandmother was gone. Um, to Florida with her sisters for vacation. This was the first time that she's ever been on vacation without my grandfather.
2: My sisters and I had gone to Florida and my sister's uh, cell phone rang and uh, she answered it. A few minutes later, she came back and she said, I've got to go. And uh, we said, well, what's wrong? And she says, I've got to go and I've got to go now. And um, I knew then that something had happened. I I don't know what they said. The next few days was just a blur. I I don't, um, I don't remember everything that happened. With his wife ruled out as a possible suspect, detectives
4: turned their attention to Jerry's son, Michael. Mikey
9: couldn't be eliminated, and that was that was difficult to deal with. I mean, you got to be impartial to these investigations.
4: When investigators sit down with Michael, he says that when he found his father covered in blood, foul play never crossed his mind.
8: When I was coming back out, I stepped on the road right there, and I guess right in here, his ankles got fell in. I said, oh, and I looked down and seen his head. Okay. And then that's when I said and I could tell you know, he was dead.
7: And so you're not thinking anything suspicious at this time. Not suspicious, no.
4: Michael admits he has no solid alibi and says he was home alone the night his father was killed.
7: Have you and your dad ever had problems to the point where he didn't speak or it came to blows or no. anything like that? No. I'll just be straight, we've got to decide who to concentrate on and who not to concentrate right. on. And you know yourself being a law enforcement for a very long time, what are one of the first people that someone looks at when something like this right. happens? Yeah. And that's the people closest yeah. to them. Right. That's just normal first objective.
6: While having this conversation, detectives realized he was lacking emotion.
5: You can't dictate across the board how people are going to act and react to these kinds of situations. But some might say his reaction was such that maybe looked suspicious.
7: You know if your parents had any problems with anybody in the neighborhood, any squabbles, any issues?
4: Michael says there is one house in the neighborhood that falls under that category a halfway house for troubled teen boys that's located down the street from his parents' address.
9: Over the years, kids with violent tendencies, committing crimes, these were kids that were committed by the state to these locations. Those are troubled kids. They've been in and out of the judicial system.
4: Michael tells detectives that over the years, his father had multiple run-ins with different boys staying at the halfway house.
8: I know they took my sister's
3: car years ago, stole their car for a little joyride. You're talking about some of the kids next door? Yeah.
4: The news of a previous car theft catches detectives' attention, especially since it appears that whoever killed Jerry had also attempted to steal his car. But that's not all.
2: There was one time when I was downstairs and one of them opened the door. I don't know why he opened the the back door and came in, but when he saw me, he left. Could Jerry have been killed
4: by one of the troubled teenagers next door? Or is Michael only bringing them up to deflect attention away from himself?
5: He definitely wasn't ruled out as a suspect. It was just, you know, let's figure it out.
4: Detectives release Michael for now and turn their attention to the halfway house for troubled boys.
5: They tried to ascertain whether anybody there could have potentially been the perpetrator.
4: Coming up, had a night of teenage mischief turned to murder.
6: Did one of them get upset? Did things escalate?
9: We didn't know what kind of offender we had out there. And a secret obsession
6: is
4: unveiled.
6: This was someone who clearly couldn't control their impulses.
0: As a Snap listener, you know the world can be a dangerous and unpredictable place. With every case I learn about, I'm reminded how much I want to prioritize my vigilance and preparation. That's why I use and recommend Simply Safe Home Security. My cameras have alerted me about trespassers and even given me a sense of security knowing my home is safe even when I'm not there. Simply Safe offers protection for the whole house with advanced sensors that not only detect break ins, but fires, floods, and other threats to your home and getting you the help you need for each scenario. The indoor security cameras offer privacy shutters to ensure physical privacy when you want it. Plus, you can try Simply Safe for 60 days risk free. If you don't love it, return your system for a full refund. Simply Safe has given me and many of my listeners real peace of mind. I want you to have it too. Get 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect Monitoring. Just visit SimplySafe.com slash Snapped. That's simplysafe.com slash Snapped. There's no safe like Simply Safe.
6: When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code AUDIO to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code AUDIO at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code AUDIO.
4: Less than 24 hours into the murder investigation of 66-year-old Jerry Wheeler, detectives have been unable to rule out Jerry's son, Douglas County Sheriff's Officer Michael Wheeler.
6: There wasn't necessarily any evidence of a spat between Jerry and Michael. I mean, they had a good relationship, but detectives had to investigate Michael because they had no other motive.
4: But during the course of his interview with police, michael is able to point detectives in the direction of a boy's home next door to the wheeler residence that could harbor some potential suspects
6: in years past those kids have kind of trespassed even breaking into the home at times we were investigating anybody
9: who lived at that house anybody who was working at that house it was a transient location where kids come and go and so we knew we had to work cut out for us on that So that was one of our main priorities, was trying to get our suspect list down of kids that potentially could have been there to do it.
6: The detectives went to go interview the manager of the house. They find three boys, and they decide to speak with them.
4: Two of the boys have alibis for the night of the murder. However, the third boy, a 14-year-old named Reginald, isn't as cooperative.
6: This boy refused to speak with detectives. He acted defiantly when they were speaking with him. He wouldn't offer any information about his whereabouts, what he was doing on the night of June 18th.
4: Is the teenager's refusal to cooperate a sign of his potential guilt? While his behavior is certainly suspicious, police don't have any evidence connecting him to the crime. At the same time, forensic investigators at the police station have figured out how to examine the bloody foot impressions they found at the crime scene. And it pays off.
3: We used a chemical called aqueous leukocrystal violet that has a reaction with the protein in the blood. And we were able to, with the reaction from the blood with that chemical, we had an identifiable foot impression. We were pretty excited because up to that point, we didn't have any type of identifying evidence to go on.
4: With this new evidence, police conclude the killer must have come from a location near the Wheeler residence.
5: The fact that they were bare footprints coupled with the fact that it appeared the perpetrator tried to take the victim's car, those two together indicated that this person was on foot.
9: That suggested to me that this was an offender who probably lived in the vicinity of where this crime occurred.
4: The print also confirms detectives initial assessment that the killer had to be big enough to overpower Jerry.
3: The foot impression that we developed was all from the right foot. The foot impression was about 10 and a half. And so we thought this could be a large person.
4: Now investigators just have to make a match.
5: You can make comparisons on footprints, just like fingerprints. They have ridges and swirls and various identifying characteristics that can be compared to a latent print that is discovered at a crime scene.
4: Unfortunately, there's no database for footprints like there is for fingerprints.
5: We had
9: to do it the old fashioned way, roll people's footprints and have our latent examiner tech manually go through and either identify it or eliminate it.
6: Investigators are still very suspicious of the boys' home, so they spend the next few days getting foot impressions of every single boy that lives in that home to see if they can find a match.
4: Even the 14-year-old who refused to answer questions agrees to a
5: print. Their prints were taken to be compared, and none of those matched. They were ruled out as well as contributing the
3: prints there in the scene. There was a lot of frustration uh, for me in the sense that we had developed that foot impression. We knew that if we could find the person that deposited it, we knew that we had found the killer.
4: Investigators also obtain a print from Jerry's son, Michael Wheeler.
8: They call me up and say that I need to come in. They have to get some foot impressions.
6: They compare this bloody footprint to the footprint of Michael Wheeler, and there is no match at all.
9: Once we were able to realize that that wasn't his footprint in there, that was a big sigh of relief for us.
4: While detectives are relieved to eliminate one of their fellow officers as a potential suspect, they've also hit a dead end when it comes to the investigation.
9: We were working round the clock days on end. In the back of my mind, I was concerned and I was worried that the longer this goes on, the more chance this has to be an unsolved case.
3: For a month, I thought about that case every day, just knowing that we had a potential piece of evidence that's gonna be able to clear the case.
5: They were having regular meetings to try to compare notes and say, all right, where should we go next?
4: During one of their meetings in early July 2013, Investigators review the interviews from the crime scene canvas and notice something that might have been overlooked.
5: At this meeting, everybody comparing notes realized that we had report of a large individual, the lady at the end of the cul-de-sac who was seen walking up the road.
4: The woman who identified herself as Tabriz Tool had been interviewed by police at the time and eliminated as a suspect but had officers acted too quickly in clearing her as a person of interest detectives decide to run her name through the county database and make a surprising discovery
6: that's when they discover there is no one named tabriz tool living in douglasville she had given a false name she'd given a false date of birth and they had to figure out why
9: there's a million reasons why she would have given us a false time Maybe she just doesn't like law enforcement and didn't want to talk to us, or it could be something a lot more than that.
4: Police discover that there is a 32-year-old woman named Sahara Tabriz Fakir that lives at the same address.
6: Not a lot is known about Sahara Fakir. As investigators dig deeper into her background, they find out that she's a devout Muslim. She's from Ohio, and seven years ago, she moved to Georgia. For the past six years, she's been living with her mother, and due to her weight gain, she couldn't work.
4: Sahara also has a criminal record from 2009.
6: Sahara had multiple charges on her record, ranging from simple traffic stops to account
5: fraud. She was on misdemeanor probation, and she threatened to kill her misdemeanor probation officer threatened to cut her throat. Felony terroristic threats, charge was brought against her. Uh, So then she had a felony case. She was convicted, received five years probation.
4: Police discover that Sahara had violated her probation and there was a warrant out for her arrest, which might explain why she gave them a fake name.
5: They realized that they had someone with the physical size that potentially matched the footprint as well as a violent past. And she lived back adjacent to his house. And so
9: we're like, we got to run with this one.
4: Since Sahara still has an outstanding warrant, detectives decide to arrest her.
5: And at that point, law enforcement zeroed in on Miss Fakir as their prime suspect.
4: Coming up, detectives attempt to apprehend Sahara goes horribly awry. She
5: wasn't just an overly obese woman. She was a very strong woman. She lifted an officer up off the ground.
4: of chasing down leads, detectives investigating the murder of Jerry Wheeler have identified a new suspect, his neighbor, 32-year-old Sahara Fakir. On July 16th, officers descend on Sahara's home. When she opens the door, law enforcement attempts to take her into custody, but they are met
5: with resistance she was a very large woman they couldn't use traditional handcuffs they had to use the the plastic cuffs she was able to break out of the the plastic cuffs which to law enforcement was an ominous thing and they hadn't seen that done before
6: she was absolutely resisting arrest she had no restraint over her emotions and she reacted violently
5: Her strength was excessive. She lifted an officer up off the ground.
4: Finally, multiple deputies are able to subdue Sahara.
6: She was transported to the Douglas County Sheriff's Office, where she was held in solitary confinement.
4: Once she's calmed down, investigators bring her into an interrogation room to question her about her neighbor, Jerry Wheeler.
7: Have you ever been to his house? No, never never been there. I don't I don't know anybody
4: there. Sahara also denies having anything to do with Jerry Wheeler's brutal murder. I can
7: I can't see myself doing it. I just can't that's that's horrific. I can't see myself doing it. Okay
4: during her interview sahara seems more interested in talking about her daily exercise routine and weight loss plans than about the investigation
5: she was pretty much a shut-in and and left the house only periodically to go swimming at the aquatic center in
6: 2012 i signed up at the boundary waters aquatic center for three and a half months i swam
7: for an hour and a half to two hours Swimming. And you know, swimming, that's a lot of resistance. Sure. Mm-hmm. It's actually a great workout. It doesn't yeah. cause injury. Yeah. No processed sweets No soda. Did eat fresh, fresh food? I ate fresh food. Yeah. And I didn't lose anything. Hmm. Five days a week. Five days a week, I went right. and didn't
6: lose nothing. She seemed to be obsessed with her weight. She just kept going back to it, and she wouldn't talk about anything else.
4: Without a confession, detectives hope Sahara's footprint will prove one way or another the extent of her involvement.
5: We needed to get her rolled prints or known prints to be able to do the comparison. They asked her initially if she would give a sample, and she was resistant to that idea. She wasn't cooperative with us. She didn't want to give us that that footprint.
4: Without her approval or a warrant, detectives are unable to force Sahara to submit her feet for printing.
5: She was intentionally trying to prevent law enforcement from taking her footprints. And obviously, the only reason she would be doing that is if she were the perpetrator and she hadn't been wearing shoes within the crime scene.
4: But detectives catch a break when they finally convince Sahara to allow a footprint expert to examine her feet without taking prints.
6: She visually inspected Sahara's feet in person and saw enough consistencies where her footprint matched the footprint at the crime
1: scene.
4: While the expert examines Sahara's footprints, detectives secure a search warrant for the home she shares with her mother. Inside Sahara's room, they find stacks of journals, a small desk, and a mattress on the floor.
5: It appeared that she spent a lot of her time on the computer, on the internet, but also writing about various thoughts.
4: Detectives collect Sahara's writings as evidence. They also make note of the view from Sahara's bedroom window.
6: They see that Jerry's house is visible from her bedroom window.
5: It's probably 50, 60 yards apart. She would have been able to see his house. She would have been able to see him in his driveway.
4: When investigators look beneath Sahara's mattress, they find another piece of possible evidence.
5: They found a knife, a large knife, 11 and 1 half inch knife uh, in a sheath underneath her bed.
9: It was a pretty good size knife and not a common knife that you see people with. We took it to the office, and our crime scene guy was able to take it apart, where they were able to ultimately find DNA that belonged to Mr. Wheeler, that was able to link that knife back to Mr.
7: Wheeler.
5: So the footprint and the knife, at that point, you have two compelling pieces of evidence that really can't, can't be explained away. It's a pretty sure thing who did this crime.
4: On July 17, 2013, police charged Sahara Fakir with the murder of Jerry Wheeler. That was a huge, huge relief on me,
9: as well as everybody that was involved in the department.
2: I was relieved. I was shocked. Um, I couldn't believe that it was a lady, you know?
4: But while police have the suspected killer in custody, they still don't know the motive for the crime.
5: There's no evidence we ever were able to discover that they had ever had an interaction personally.
2: This murder was especially heinous. It was excessive, it was full of rage. Why would you do that? I mean, I, I can't understand that hate.
4: Coming up,
2: in an attempt to
4: discover her motive, police examined the hundreds of personal journals seized at Sahara's house.
5: As far as we knew, the son could have been the target.
6: And investigators get into the mind of a gluttonous killer. She believed that she was being punished for binge eating candy.
4: On July 17, 2013, deputies with the Douglas County Sheriff's Office charge 32-year-old Sahara Fakir with the murder of 66-year-old Jerry Wheeler, a man she claims she never met. Armed with a bloody footprint and the murder weapon, investigators confront Sahara, hoping for a confession.
7: I know you've been in. So what did you go in the house
9: for? I did This is crazy. She's totally in denial about um, her being involved in a homicide.
4: The more detectives press her, the more bizarre Sahara's explanations become. What if if maybe somebody
7: said they saw you over there? Uh, They probably were working for the Illuminati.
4: Some of the comments that she
9: was making were kind of off the wall. She wasn't talking like, you would expect somebody to talk. She had some delusional thinking.
4: In an attempt to discover Sahara's motive for the murder, detectives examine the hundreds of personal journals seized at Sahara's house. Most of her journal entries center around her weight.
5: A lot of her writings were very hard on herself. A lot of it was introspective. You know, I need to be exercising more. I need to be eating better the
4: examination of sahara's writings also reveals a recurring theme
5: it appeared that she had a a general hatred of law enforcement but also douglas county specifically there was writings that she had that
9: were i would classify as anti-law enforcement remarks that she had made and just kind of some animosity toward dealing with our agency
4: And among Sahara's journals, detectives find a hand-scribbled note with a disturbing message.
3: She had a list of cops that she wanted to see dead.
4: Detectives theorize that Jerry's son, Michael, might have been Sahara's intended victim.
6: Jerry's home is visible from her bedroom window, and Jerry's son would come home and have lunch with his dad in his Mark
5: cruiser. As far as we knew, the son could have been the target, or she could have thought that the victim was, in fact, a law enforcement officer. And that was something that we focused on as a potential motive.
2: She had a vendetta against the police department and thought that Michael lived there, and she was going in after Michael. And Jerry was the one she found. She
6: had every single intention of killing again. This wasn't going to stop.
4: But authorities are still puzzled by what might have triggered Sahara's hatred of law enforcement or her decision to kill a man she suspected to be a police officer.
5: I mean, it was not a self-defense. It was not in reaction or response to anything that he did. So it was unwarranted, unsolicited, whatever Her motive was was completely in her mind and a product of her mind. But something in her mind changed that caused her to take it to the next level.
4: Based on her journal entries, police suspect that Sahara was consumed by shame.
6: Sahara was very religious and she felt shame for committing this deadly sin of gluttony. It completely consumed her mind.
4: As Sahara's shame built, so did her hatred.
6: She would fixate on things, her obsession with her weight, her hate, and her rage.
5: She thought that law enforcement generally was evil. She admitted that she had these violent thoughts and tendencies towards law enforcement.
4: Sahara's ramblings on paper and in interviews leave investigators wondering if she's even fit to stand trial.
7: What do you think is gonna happen to you? Allah will get me out because He knows the type of people that's running that crowd. Oh, okay. He knows what type of jail this is. This is Satan's jail. I seek refuge in Allah from Satan's outcast, and I am awaiting His wrath.
4: During her plea hearing, Sahara tells the court that God will forgive her for her sins, but He won't be so generous to everyone else.
6: Allah
7: is my lawyer right now. And if you do not release me,
6: I will have his vengeance on you, like he did in
5: 2009 when he sent that flood. It's only going to get worse. So it was the decision of the prosecution, the defense, and the judge to have her evaluated. And it was determined that she was competent.
6: She made attempts to conceal what she had done, meaning she knew that it was wrong. She washed the knife. She hid it. She knew exactly what she was doing. But Sahara
4: still denies killing Jerry. And from her jail cell, she writes letters to the judge saying she believes she's being punished for gluttony.
6: In her letters, she blames her arrest on binge eating candy after she promised Allah that she would diet and lose weight. She believed that Allah was punishing her for her excess, not for murdering someone.
4: On September 22, 2014, Sahara Fakir goes to trial for murder. With DNA and footprint evidence, the prosecution argues that on the evening of June 18th, Sahara Fakir, overwhelmed by her belief that God was angry with her for her gluttony, decided to kill a police officer. With her knife in hand, Sahara stormed into the home of Jerry Wheeler and attacked the 66-year-old, who she mistakenly believed was a cop.
5: stepped in his blood and so that in and of itself probably would have carried the day and then you have the writings you have the knife under her bed with the victim's blood i don't believe she had a personal defense it was clear to the jury that she did this
4: on september 29th 2014 sahara is found guilty of jerry's murder and is sentenced to life
2: in prison without the possibility of parole she was not uh, remorseful seemed like she was proud of what she had done
6: excess was a part of sahara's character she lived this gluttonous lifestyle and it culminated in the deadliest sin of all murder
4: While Sahara sits behind bars, Jerry's family and the Douglasville community are left to deal with the emotional aftermath of her horrific crime.
7: It has rocked us to our cores with everything that we believe in, physically, spiritually, emotionally. You never think that something like this can happen to you and it can, it can happen to anyone.
2: I know that our family is not the only ones hurting. It it hurt a lot of people in that community because of how they would met Jerry and what Jerry meant to them. He was a good man. He was just a good man.
4: For more information on Snapped, go to oxygen.com.